Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Robert DeFettis on the line. Robert, how are you? Good, good. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Really looking forward to this conversation. So for those that aren't aware of what you do, why don't you share a little bit about you, and then we'll dive into our conversation. Absolutely. So I'm a career educator. I'm a teacher by trade. Uh, right now, I'm in higher education administration. I also consider myself a uh, entrepreneur, someone who uh, on the education side of things is always looking to enhance uh, people's lives through education and you know equal the uh, the playing field. That's awesome. And you've recently published a book which caught my eye. It uh, talks about Generation X, which I'm a member of and uh, proud to say that I am. Not that any other generation is better or worse than others, but I am particularly fond of of Gen X and, and all the aspects of it. Uh, so uh, before we get too deep into the book, I always ask authors, you know, what motivated you to dedicate so much time to write this book? Yeah, so Gen, Gen Exceptional, that's the book. And uh, it, it came to me a few years ago. Um, people ask me all the time, you know, about my leadership style. And I was always giving the canned answers, you know. Well, I'm a participative leader who uh, likes uh, situational leadership styles and, you know, giving those textbook answers. And then I one time I just said to someone, you know what, I lead like a Gen Xer. And they looked at me and they kind of, they stopped and they're like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, you know what, I didn't have really a textbook answer for that. So I kind of just gave it on the fly and I say, you know, I lead like my generation kind of uh, views the light, views life in general, you know, and and then I that kind of started me in a journey on to really look at the comparative natures of the different generations and what makes Generation X unique uh, versus other generations. And I think you just, you know, you kind of alluded to it uh, as we were talking before we started to tape, you know, it like picking on the other generations too, right? Like, you know, we, we do have a tendency to go into and kind of uh, pull back some of the layers, if you will, the curtains to some of these other generations. And I was very curious to see what makes each generation tick, you know, how they're defined, um, you know, what uh, from a societal standpoint has shaped and molded them. And it was interesting, you know, my research kind of, you know, you always go into research and you have a, you know, a theory on, you know, how it's going to kind of unfold. And mine really did really uncover that this generation really, Generation X, is really poised um, to do some really great things if they're willing to get into the game. And just by their nature, sometimes they are very critical and they, you know, sometimes, you know, they don't, they take a step back because they don't want to be involved in some of the political messes that, you know, some of the other generations have gotten us into. And so, um, you know, my book really advocates the idea that this is an exceptional generation, one that is poised to lead um, very well into this century. And then also they're positioned very well to mold our next generational leaders, which is our millennials and Gen Zers. No, it's important work. And, and one of the things that, you know, I know about us Gen Xers is we are a sarcastic lot, uh, but that sarcasm comes from experience and, being latchkey kids and getting up on Saturday mornings before our parents did and getting our own cereal and watching Saturday morning cartoons. 
I'm still ticked that they moved Super Friends to an earlier time because I had to get up earlier on a Saturday for that. I'm I'm still bent about that, and that's been how many decades now? A long time. But we just I and I even I was thinking about this as we were approaching this interview date of you know, innovations, and you know we could take this conversation in a variety of different directions. Excuse me, but yeah, you know, I definitely want to focus on on you know how Gen X will will pave the way for leadership over the next century and you know for future leaders as well. But think about all the innovations that we have seen in our lifetime from us when we were kids. We were the remote control, you know, change the station. So we'd get up and change the station for our parents to what we have today where we can watch television shows, you know, on our devices anywhere we are. Uh, and it's you know, from music to entertainment to streaming to this technology we're using right now, everything uh, that we're using did not exist when we were younger. And now it does. And we've adapted to all of it. Uh, and I, I don't want to say that other generations don't adapt to things easier, but I think that's one of the things that we've seen growing up is there's just been so many different innovations and changes that we just adapt to it and we don't necessarily think about adapting to it. We just do. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then I definitely want to dive into the book and uh, some insights that you found and in, in how, how we're going to be you know, leading the next century. You're spot on with that. I think I did look at, you know, we, we can't say that baby boomers didn't adapt but they were very hesitant. They still are very hesitant to make a lot of changes. Uh, they do hold on to things that are, you know, very unique to their generation. And as they're kind of, you know, in the, the, the waning aspects of their, their careers and, you know, the only reason a lot of them are still in the workforce or, you know, um, doing, you know, I would say uh, uh, heavy volunteer work later in their lives is because of, you know, some things that have happened like that, you know, the double dip recession, they couldn't retire when they thought they could. Um you know, COVID kept them in the workplace a little bit longer because we we did need them. We needed their expertise. But when you, we look at Generation X, they really are that bridge. They did experience, like you said, they experienced things that were part of the other generation, but they also adapted. And the adaption, I think, comes from, in my, in my opinion, it comes from how they were reared. You know, you talk about latchkey kids, you talk about waking up on Saturday morning having to do it on their own, where the generation before, you know, there was a more, you know, uh, unofficially a traditional sense to, you know, their rearing and upbringing, where the next generation, Generation X, and, um, you know, Generation X goes from, you know, about, you know, there's always that window, 1965 till about 1979. So I'm a younger Gen X. I had the ability to see a little bit of the what the old guard did, and then I've adapted because of the things how I was reared how the millennials, you know, process the world and through their lens. So in the book, I really refer to this generation as the real true bridge generation between the two. The ability, because we we not only were the remote control, we've also, we've, we understood that we had to move and adapt where maybe the generation before us was like, you know what, they were so hesitant and so reluctant. And then the one in front of us, um, which is are the millennials and now Generation Z, and it, 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 I talk about this a lot, Generations come at such a, a, a quicker rate now that it's even hard to even give them a label. Like, you know, there's different thoughts about, uh, you know, who they are and what they represent. But now their window is actually three to five years. So if you look back, 
a generational cohort like the baby boomers were a traditional 20-year cohort. Xers became a 15, millennials became anywhere between a 12 and a 10, and now Gen Z is, you know, between eight and 10 years, and now the next cohort is about a five-year cohort. Um, so I agree with you. I think adaptability is something that generational Generation X has, that ability to uh, learn from both, to apply both, uh, see, the, see, see what's positive in both, take the best of both, and, you know, that's how they, you know, they operate in the workplace. Yeah, we've, you know, going back to just some of the things that we've seen, you know, from when I first started working, there wasn't really computers. So there might be one computer in an office and then everyone had a computer to, you know, just all the advances. So we just adjust on the fly in many cases. Uh, and and we, we've seen things. And I, I think, and I love your bridge uh, example because we've seen both sides of the road in a way. And we know... Uh, how to navigate through a lot of different things. You know, the bridge, of course, makes it a little bit easier to cross than uh, going underneath. But I think one of the things that jumps out at me when I reflect about, you know, my leadership style, and I love how you say, I just lead like a Gen Xer, uh, is, you know, because we've observed, and I don't, I don't want to say that other generations haven't, your, your studies may prove otherwise, I'm not sure. But it, it just seems, like, you know, the people that I grew up with and, you know, the people that I know that are around my age, I, I I think we analyze things differently. And I'm not sure why, but we do. And we, we kind of take the best components of things and we shape them in a way that'll work for us when it comes to leadership style. Because, you know, the leaders that I emulate you know, are from a variety of different generations. There are some, you know, one of my bosses that I refer to uh, on this show quite a bit. Uh, his name's Rick. I, I still remember the first day I worked at the company I worked for with him. And when he came by my cubicle at 3.32 p.m., I remember the time. That was 20 years ago. I still remember that because what he said was such instrumental moment to me. But again, he was, you know, the same generation as I. And then I remember leaders that I had that were from the baby boomer generation or leadership people that I follow that were born in that age demographic and the, the leadership skills and, and talents that they shared, uh, you know, have paved the way for me and a lot of things. So I just kind of took the ingredients from things that I knew would work that I could implement, make my own, but also, you know, bestow that on our future leaders as well, because that's, a, you know, that's a big task that we have as that bridge generation is one to continue moving things forward to innovate to improve but also to set up the next leaders for success and that's what we should want we shouldn't say well i'm going to hold back and not give them everything no i want our next generation of leaders to be better than we are why we're going to benefit from that in our retirement years whatever retirement looks like for us um i i don't know i mean uh, there are some older boomers now that are start or excuse me older generation um that are you know you know going to be hitting you know 60 you know next year and then five years from that 65 and then all of a sudden uh we do the math it's like oh wow we're going to be approaching retirement age i'm not going to break down and cry about that but it, it is kind of like a wow, that happened pretty quick. 
come to think of it. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, as leaders, we take all these different aspects of our experiences, what we've observed, um, with a you know slight dose of, I don't want to say sarcasm, but we'll call it sarcasm. Uh, or one of my favorite quotes is from the late uh, Pistons coach Chuck Daly, uh, a pessimist is an optimist with experience. So we sometimes we approach things with this little, not doubt, but more of a, okay, let me see what you have and kind of run it through a filter and go, mm, is this BS or is this something that actually could make sense? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I'll work backwards there. We're, we're skeptics. And we're skeptics because we we've lived we lived through Watergate, we lived through the 1980s where you know um, you know we had uh, parts of the Cold War. We saw things, and we kind of whether they were political or whether they were in you know uh, they were more contemporary or they were in pop culture, it shaped us. It shaped how it shaped our lens. So you're absolutely right. We do put the brakes on things, and we say it's like the sniff test, right? We wait a second here. Is that is is that the direction we're going to really go? And 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 we need to hear the justification. I like to believe Gen Xers. If I if I if I look at it through like superheroes, which superhero would we be? We would be Batman. Let me tell you why. Because we have the pieces in our bat belt that we like from the different generations that work very well, and we can pull it out of our bat belt and use it, and we can implement it. So there are things from the previous generation, like baby boomers, that we do we do think are valuable. I I don't question the loyalty. I love that baby boomers were very loyal. They were very loyal to organizations. They stayed with organizations maybe sometimes too long, you know. Um, and then millennials are the other end of the spectrum. They don't. They have to. They have to understand why. Well, why, why am I here? Why am I doing that? They question everything. There's nothing wrong with that either. There has to be a balance, and in the middle is this group that has the balance. They're constantly pulling things off of that bat belt and being able to kind of maneuver and pivot very quickly. Another thing they like to do, in, in my opinion, is, you know, they are the um, the generation that really coined the collaboration phase. They are collaborators, but they also understand we have to get the job done. So we have to plow through. We can't be in total collaboration all day long, right, and talking things ad nauseum uh, and getting nothing done, we have to, you know, commit to something, stick with it and and see where the cards fall. So it's again, it's just this 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 group that really has adopted and adapted uh, to the situation that's really before them. And that's and again, I go back to the beginning question, you know, how do they come up with this book? Well, you know, what was the genesis of the book? And it was actually being in some situations where I was kind of in the middle of both generations in the workplace. And I'm like, you both have merit. We need to kind of figure out how to use both of your ideas and not take an all or nothing approach because it's not going to make either of us happy. So I, that became kind of like, um, you know, for me, my marching orders to figure out, okay, I had, I had the millennials who are at the infancy um, approaching some of them, you know, older millennials, they're, they're even hitting, some of them are hitting mid career, right? And then my boomers who are transitioning out of the workforce, how do I get them to coexist for the next decade? Because for better or worse, they're going to be together, right? And then what I've also seen is, uh, which I think is a problem, but we're start it's starting to emerge as a an opportunity, which is Generation Xers stepping forward. You know, we were taking a step back because of maybe we were skeptic and we're like, you know, that's not my problem. I'm going to figure it out. The other thing too, and not to digress is, we were the ones that coined the phrase 
work-life balance, right? Because we understood the importance of stepping away from the workforce. So that that kind of goes to our point of like, okay, I'm going to let you guys figure it out and I'm going to step back a little bit because this isn't really something I want to be involved in. But we know as a true leader, we can let the collaboration take place, but someone's going to have to move people in the right direction. And I think, again, I think just we're poised to do that. I love the Batman analogy, by the way. Um, so, and for those that are listening and not watching the video, I held up uh, uh, a Batman figure in his, uh, um, one of his flying apparatuses. So, but that's it, it, a great analogy because you just, you're prepared. Yeah, uh, you, 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 and I think as Gen X said, it goes back to what we've talked about through the interview is we've, because we've observed we, in, in my career, you know, I've had a lot of different careers and I picked up a lot of tools along the way and just added them to my utility belt. So today I'll use something or I'll do something. And if you ask me, well, where did you learn that? I'd have to think about it, but I have it. It's in the tool bag and or in the tool belt. I can, I can do it. And I, I think that next step for our generation to say, okay, we're going to take the reins and again, not picking on baby boomers or any generation. I, I have sensed in my interactions personally that sometimes it's very difficult for uh, Ubers to let go. They're, they don't want to let go of control. Um, and I think a lot of it could be a lack of self-confidence. They're not happy with what they did. They should be um, with their performance, but they're 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 kind of holding it close and they don't want to let go because maybe they're not prepared. And as you mentioned before, with the economics and maybe they can't retire, they're not necessarily ready to let go. And I, you know, I know a, a personal example of somebody that retired and then went back to an organization. I don't think they ever really left. I think they were kind of lurking behind the scenes. Uh, but anyway, they, they did go back um, even when, you know, they had been talking about retiring for years. It's, it's a difficult transition, and I interviewed a guy. This was years ago. Um, I'll see if I can remember the episode link and put it in the show notes. But this guy was a financial advisor, and he told people you need to practice retirement. So he always recommends people, if you can do it, at least take one month off of work with no pay. Okay, No pay. Save up some money based on what you think your retirement pay will be every month. And that's what you're going to live on. So you're not working, you've got this, you know, fixed income and, and live for a month that way. It's a rude awakening for a lot of people, not just from the financial side of things, but more so on the, okay, what do I do? I'm not working. What, what do I do with my time? And I think that ties into what you said a moment ago about our generation kind of being the architect of the whole work-life balance concept is... We have interests outside of work. You know, our work doesn't make us. I mean, some of us a little bit more than others, but our work is our work. We do that in order to do things we want to do in life, where I think a lot of people work to work. And if they lose that, that's why they're so devastated because they associated their identity with what they do and not who they are. And I see it a lot with people that are stressed and burned out. They just... You know, they, they get to that state where, uh, who am I without my job? Well, we're about to find out, uh, if you haven't, 
And so you might want to do some work and figure out who you are. Uh, and it's it's a challenging thing. But again, going back to you know, what we've talked about, I, I think Gen X is that bridge, as you said in your book, to be able to take the baton, continue running the race, make some improvements where we, we can, based on our experiences, and set it up for the next generation to be able to continue that with their perspective and their innovations and all of that. That's how society continues to grow. And it's just going to be an interesting time to see. So um, as we're wrapping up, where where do you see things, you know, as as the boomers start retiring more and more and get to the point where, you know, they're out of the workforce completely. Um, and some of them think, I'll never leave the workforce. It's like, um, you're not going to live to 140 in all likelihood. So eventually you will. But where do you see things, you know, over the next, I'd say, you know, 10 to 20 years when it comes to the the boomer generation retiring and Gen X taking the lead for a bit? Where do you see things? Yeah, from a from a sea level, you know, top down kind of um, my view of this is I do see the need um, for Gen Xers to start now to figure out what they're, you know, what how they're going to make a an impact on leadership uh, in their companies, in society at large. They're going to inherit a mess. Let's just be honest. I mean, it's there's from a global perspective, and I want to be optimistic because I think that that's the my frame always to everything. But they're going to inherit some things that are going to be some challenges um, from a political landscape, in corporate landscape, in you know nonprofits. There's there's a lot of work to be done, and they're going to have to be in a position to be ready to marshal the next generations in the right direction. And it's interesting because that last generation has held on so long the window is even shorter, right? So stepping into these roles and stepping into these high-level positions and being able to maneuver very quickly and figure things out, they're, I think they're positioned very well to do it. Um, but the time is really right now. And I, I'm very optimistic that they'll be able to really champion the causes of the next two bigger generations, millennials and Gen Z, and get them moving in the right direction, working together and figuring things out. Millennials are problem solvers. I mean, they, they see, I mean, you know, I have, you know, my children are more on the Gen Z side and the, I call them Gen Next, NXT, Gen Next. Um, so there's, they're still young, but what they, I mean, it's just amazing because they're the true digital natives. We're not digital natives. We didn't grow up and we weren't born into an iPhone, right? But they really were. So they're figuring things out constantly as the world is evolving around them. And I'm really, really optimistic that if with the right leaders, um, behind them and showing them and guiding them and using the knowledge from the previous generation because they had knowledge capital. Baby boomers, have, they, they were some, I mean, talk about ingenuity and creation and technology. I mean, they were, they were in the middle of all of that, if not leading a lot of that. So we take that knowledge, Gen Xers use and leverage the knowledge and they're moving the next generations forward. It's going to be really great. But again, it's it. We can't let people. Uh, we got to hold Gen Xers accountable. We can't let them on the sideline and just let it pass through. And a great example of this is the political landscape. You know, if you look at it, uh, you know, our top candidates right now in in the United States are very uh, veteran uh, baby boomers. You know, that's who they are, right? And you have our Gen Xers, and they're all trying to, you know, dethrone, if you will this last group right and if we can i think if we can we can do that to some degree 
in a very, you know, way that, you know, we, we try to make it work for everyone. But if we can somehow take that mantle and move our politics forward, move our corporate governance and our corporate uh, initiatives forward with people that, um, you know, are in tune to the next generation, right, guiding the next generation, I think we're going to be very successful. So that's that's my hope. And I, and I think, um, you know, I think we can do it. I think we have to get in the game. And, you know, people like you and I, we have to, you know, really promote Gen X leaders and really show them that, you know, it's time for us to kind of take over, you know? It's time for us to quit being the meh generation and actually start taking charge of it. Uh, we we were born for this. Uh, we we experienced so much. It's it's time to use that knowledge for for greater good. And uh, I agree with you. The time is definitely now. So love this. Congrats! Congratulations on the book, by the way. Love our conversation. Where can people find out more about you? Where they can get the book and anything else you'd like to share. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. Like you, I probably could talk about it all day long. But if you want to continue the conversation with me, uh, you can find me at drdefinis.com. Also on Twitter, at Definis. Um, I'm on the socials. And my book is available anywhere where you purchase books today. Barnes & Nobles to Amazon. Uh, iUniverse is my publisher. And again, drdefinis.com. Awesome. And I'll have that information in the show notes. So thank you so much for your time. Continue. Uh, success and continue marching forward and empowering our our next generation of leaders to take things to the next level so love this conversation thank you have a great new year thanks for listening to the breakfast leadership show part of the breakfast leadership network visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life